Hello, and welcome back to Deviant Little Darlings. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And if you love hearing stories about all things taboo, scandalous, and out of this world, you are in the right place. All right, Katie. So, we usually talk about this before we start going, but we didn't talk about it this time. <laughs> I know, time. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, going to our QQOTD. This is a very hard one, okay? Okay. So, we're in week nine of our podcast, and I was thinking about it, which means we've been doing quarantine questions of the day for nine weeks. Oh, which means dude. we've been in quarantine for nine weeks and longer. So that today, is a lot. Yeah. And it's been way longer because we started doing this like w- like a month into it. Yeah. But anyway, so today's QQOTD is simply, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I am hanging in there. Mm-hmm. I feel like the longer this is happening, the more I'm like kind of losing my mind, but... It's, you know, it's fun to have a little schedule. The only thing I really do is talk to you um, and do this. <laughs> so thank you for giving me something to do during quarantine. Um, yeah, besides that, I'm just kind of chilling. I'm like really just trying to keep myself entertained. Yeah, so. I feel like you have to stay entertained and then also sane because like mm-hmm. for me, for the past like month or so i was like okay what's entertaining the kardashians so i watched (laughs) from season one through i got through season eight before i was like i'm losing my mind i sit here Mm -hmm. all day like my inner dialogue started to sound like courtney kardashian which you know that's a nightmare so (laughs) stay entertained but stay sane yeah completely I have nothing that's like really defining my life these days. So all I can really say about that is that I am doing the best I can. (laughs) Um, That's all we can ask for. Exactly. How are you, Olivia? I am also doing the best I can. I had some... So when this whole thing started, it was like a distinctive switch between like normal life to all of a sudden like this is quarantine life. And Mm -hmm. there were so many emotions that went along with that. You know, so many like fears and unknown things to do with coronavirus and then as time went on it like kind of felt more normal but every month something crazier and bigger Mm -hmm. happens and so now I'm starting to realize that like it's not gonna switch off the way it like switched on Mm -hmm. and so that's been making me kind of go crazy lately like it's a very gradual yeah shift and there's no such thing as like normal (laughs) I know the world as like we knew it is not going to be the same when no. when there is like a solution to all of this. So yeah. So I've just been like lots of change has been going on lately. And I'm just realizing that like the life I had before is not going to be the <laughs> life I'm going to have for quite some time or maybe ever, which is fine because a lot of the change that's happening is like probably good. And probably, probably. I mean, I'm glad that we're still being precautious and staying safe and, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I just, I remember in the beginning episodes, we like talked about how we were for a while before getting the QQOTDs and True I'm like, that. I just, I just want to know what's going on with Katie inside. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm glad we could cover that. I needed to, you know, share it today. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Well, last week was kind of a little long, so maybe we should just jump into this one (laughs) last week was long however um so remember a couple weeks ago sorry i know you said we're jumping in i'm going into a story no totally fine um a couple weeks ago we announced 
that we were making them shorter because my mom complained mm-hmm. they were so long. <laughs> well, then I got some validation. So my sister listened to last week's episode and she said it was like her favorite and it was really exciting and riveting. So, Ooh. you know, last week was good. You blew my mind. All well, I, have to I say. think we should listen to our fans and not our critics. Mom. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a nice encouragement because um, we were nice. worried that it was really long last week. But so, yes. thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Uh, so yeah, we'll try to breeze through our stories this week. Um, neither of us know, again, what our, the other person's story is. And we can't guess based off of our little notes today. So this will be fun. So it'll be a treat whenever you're ready. Okay, so uh, before I start, I just want to say that history.com was like a huge source for my research. Um, I basically got most of it from like the meat of it from one article. So if it sounds like I'm just paraphrasing sentence by (laughs) sentence, that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, Because it was a really great article. Give credit where credit's due. (laughs) Exactly. I had to give credit because I'm like, I can't pretend this is my work. Um, And then I actually first heard about this story from this amazing Times article, which I'm really like tentative to tell you because I don't want you to read it and steal these ideas because I have my other ones planned from the article, but it's called 13 true stories that would make Oscar worthy movies. So that's a good article. It's I'll really, stay away from it. Yeah. Stay away. Cause next week I already have one picked out. So I'll know if you take a look, but anyways, good. um, this story is an amazing story and I'm honestly pretty disappointed that it wasn't in any of our history books in school. I feel like we say mm. that a lot, but this one, especially, Uh, Because this is the story of 22-year-old Ona Judge. So, a book published in 2016 about her story is titled Never Caught, The Washington's Relentless Pursuit of Their Runaway Slave, Ona Judge. (gasps) So, based on that title, I'm sure you can tell by now that this is a story about one of George Washington's slaves. And I say one of because it turns out he had hundreds. Oh, yep. Just good old George. That's mm, good old George. Not good. Not good. But just to clarify, I am going to refer to him as GW because I didn't want to write George Washington in my notes a million times. It's cool. You know, my brother goes to George Washington University and we call it GW. So it's like, it's valid. Perfect. Um, So yeah, this is a story about uh, one of his slaves who ran away and was never caught. However, he tried to chase her down in a manhunt until the day he died. <gasps> oh my gosh, I didn't know GW had it in him. No, I had, <laughs> GW, I had no idea either. <laughs> I literally never even heard of him like being a slave owner. I remember, because he's, in case no one knows, he's the first president of the United States. And <laughs> <laughs> a good disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was actually kind of a public figure in the like abolition laws and reform um so this kind of reveals a darker side to his actual life yeah they don't want you to know about it exactly and so just a little bit more details about gw he was actually a slave owner since he was 11 years old when he inherited Mm. 10 slaves from his deceased father so god it's hard for me to really even imagine this time frame in history because i don't think it's like covered enough in school and it's never really in the media like that just sounds absolutely insane to me, like unfathomable. So I just wanted to point that little detail out. Agreed. 
Um, unfortunately, George would go on to purchase and inherit many more slaves through his uh, young life, and they were passed down from different family members who had died. And in 1759, when he was 27 years old, George Washington married Martha, who was a very wealthy widow, who owned an additional 80 slaves from her previous marriage. So basically because of property transfer laws, which also applied to human beings, these people all now belong to George himself when they got married. Oh, God. So, yeah, according to History.com, this brings his total number of enslaved men and women and children at his Mount Vernon plantation to more than 150 by the time the Revolutionary War began. Wow. That's just a little bit of background on this dude. I don't want to spend too much time on him since really the main character is Ona. Um, but I just thought it was good to add a little bit of history um, so we can get yeah. context because I didn't know I any like of that. No, you don't really think of you think of George Washington as like this great upstanding citizen. And I mean, yeah, that's just crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, OK, so and it's, it's spelled O-N-A. So I think it's pronounced Ona. Could be Ona. Sure. I also saw it was like Oni or Ani. Um, but I'm just going to say Ona because that's what the letters look like to me. OK. So Ona Judge came into GW's life um, as she was born to one of Martha's ex-husband's slaves, Betty. So her father was a man named Andrew Judge, and he was actually a white indentured servant from England who worked for four years at the Washington Mount Vernon plantation. So basically, her mother was a slave. Her father was an indentured servant, um, which meant that he could go free when his contract was up with the Washingtons. Mm -hmm. So... After four years, he left. He went to go start his own farm. So he was actually a white man. Like He was from England. But because he had a child with a slave, their daughter, Ona, became the legal property of George Washington, the slave owner. And he kept Ona with him when Andrew left. So basically, like broke up the family because oh. half was free and half wasn't. Right. So when Ona was nine, she was moved into the Washington's mansion where she worked as a seamstress and eventually was quote-unquote promoted to Martha's personal maid. So that's a little bit interesting. I'm going to add just a little bit of speculation, so bear with me. Um, but I actually watched a YouTube video the other day by a creator called Only Black Girl. And it was a video about something called light skin privilege and the brown paper bag test, which I had never heard of. So that's kind of how I ended up on the video. It was something completely new to me. But apparently this test uh, was used from, by people in about the 1900s through 1950 where they would nail a standard brown paper bag on their door and no one with skin darker than the bag would be allowed to enter the house. So oh other similar tests were used to create preferential treatment to those with lighter skin going back all the way to times of slavery. So that was a, more, a newer example, but it was very historically grounded kind of test mm -hmm. and it was really popular in the 50s and I wanted to bring it up because it was mostly popular in businesses and university sororities and fraternities come on great life yeah we all know that is very problematic but basically this was just a very long way of explaining that throughout history white people have preferred light-skinned black people um, so especially in times of slavery, they often separated indoor and outdoor workers by the shade of their skin. So since they didn't want dark skinned people entering their homes, they would go and work in the fields. So this is just kind of my way of speculating that since Ono was a mixed race woman 
and all the drawings I saw of her depicted her as a fairly light-skinned woman. I think this is why she was welcomed into the house to work for Martha and not working in the fields on the plantation. Right. I think that's a fair speculation. It's horrible, but in the context of history, it makes sense. So this quote-unquote preferential treatment um, was expanded as she was selected to accompany George Washington on trips to New York and she actually moved with the household to Philadelphia in 1799 because that was like the new capital and they were setting up the right. entire country, that kind of stuff. So this was a really big move for Ona. Um, as it turns out, Philadelphia was not like the South at this time and it had a much larger population of free black people than enslaved. So that actually made Ona pretty much a minority in this town because right. it was part of the gradual ab- uh, abolition and there were more free people than not. But to make matters worse, George Washington would transport his slaves in and out of Pennsylvania every six months to stop them from gaining residency in the state, which therefore stopped them from being freed. Oh, that's deviant. Very deviant indeed. Um, But despite their efforts to stifle Ona's freedom, uh, she was running errands in the city for Martha, and she was able to meet former slaves who had escaped or had been freed by the gradual abolition laws so she pretty much knew and understood what was going on based on right just her interactions around town so she's basically surrounded by all these really brave people who had gotten out of slavery while she is still trapped um, under one of the most influential people in america the president who is <laughs> no kidding actively ensuring that she remains a slave for his wife And the article I got my info from said that she started to change her views of slavery and like abolition laws, but I cannot imagine that she was ever pro-slavery to begin with. I I think she just started to see like the light at the end of the tunnel for the first time and she was determined to do whatever she could to get there. Right. Like there's actually a different life she could be living and she finally sees it. Yeah. Um, So in 1796, Ona learned that although she was a very loyal servant to Martha um, and had been taken in as like a family worker, Martha planned to give her away to her bratty granddaughter Elizabeth as a wedding (sighs) present. Oh, no. Right. So basically, Ona and her family is being treated like an old family heirloom that no one wants rather than a human being. And it became clear to her that she has absolutely no control over her life, no matter how well she like tries to please the Washingtons and do what they say. They're not right. there for her. So with that realization in mind and the fuel of the abolition in Pennsylvania, on May 21st, 1796, when the Washingtons were getting ready to head back to Mount Vernon for the summer, Ona escaped. She went out the back of the house during supper time while some of her friends and allies she met in the black free community led her to the ship that went to Portsmouth. Portsmouth? Portsmouth? Spelled Portsmouth. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they got her out of there. It took her five days to get to Portsmouth. And when she did, she saw a world that she'd never seen before. The entire black population in Portsmouth consisted of 360 citizens and no enslaved workers. Ona found housing and help from other fugitives, Um, while she was able to make some money doing housework. So although she is operating as a free woman, she is still limited to the same work that she was doing before as a slave because of the color of her skin. So when people say abolition was the end of slavery, that's not necessarily the case. Um, 
she was basically in the same situation. She just started to have a little bit more agency is all. Right. Um, And unfortunately, because Ona was a personal slave to the presidential family, she was actually very recognizable. So without even noticing, Ona passed the daughter of a senator on the street one day. Uh, She didn't say hi because she didn't recognize her, but the daughter recognized Ona. And then she then told her father, the senator, who told GW and his manhunt begins. Oh, no. So... GW contacted a man in customs, William Whipple, to find Ona. He put out a fake ad for a domestic worker, and she actually responded to it. But when she met with him about the job, he confronted her. She proposed an agreement that is later revealed that she had no intention to keep, um, but he, she told Whipple that she would return to work for George Washington if he promises to free her once Martha dies, because she's basically like hmm. working for Martha, but George owns her i guess um but apparently she was like only offering this compromise as a way to appease whipple so that he would let her walk away and he would get back to george and try to make the deal and then she would try to escape Mm -hmm. again right well she's yeah (laughs) she's smart she really is um gw on the other hand denied the compromise calling it totally inadmissible and he claims that even though he does support gradual abolition, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. he didn't want to reward her bad behavior and unfaithfulness as it might encourage other slaves to escape. So he's just trying to punish her and it totally contradicts his previous statement about supporting, you know, freeing slaves yeah. and everything. And history.com actually had a really good paragraph about this, um, but essentially... This action made it very clear that George Washington was not practicing what he was preaching and he was unwilling to give up his, um, oh, sorry. He was unwilling to give up, quote, the bound labor on which his uh, Virginia plantation and his life was built. So he's like, oh, in theory, that would be great, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Right, which is so, like, two-faced. Exactly. Um, At this point, he was fully involved in finding Ona and trying to get her back. However, even though George Washington was like obsessing over this, slavery kind of fell out of popular opinion, thankfully, and Whipple and others stopped offering to help him search for Ona. Good. So for the time being, she was free, and she married another free man who was a sailor, Jack Steins, in 1797. In August of 1799, George Washington asked his nephew to find and take Ona and any potential kids that she may have, since technically they would be his property like Ona was. Oh, no. But when the men, his nephew mentioned his plans to the senator, I don't know, just a senator, he like... I yeah. think they were having lunch or something. He like told him. Sure. The senator told one of his servants to go warn Ona because he didn't want to be involved in that at all. Right. We love that. Yeah. I didn't even write down his name, but great job. That's okay. He's a great guy. <laughs> um, so her husband was out sailing at the time, but she and her baby girl, she had hid with another freed family, the Jacks, until George Washington's nephew left Portsmouth without her. Now, four months later, George Washington died, which freed all of his slaves. However, Ona would not have technically been freed because she belonged to Martha from her first husband. And even if Martha had died, which she did in 1802, her slaves would have gone to any surviving grandchildren. 
Right. So basically, the Washingtons pretended to be anti-slavery, but made sure to keep them under their own control until they all died, which Mm -hmm. was terrible. So bad. Kind of moving on to the happier part, even though technically she was still kind of bound to this family, no one was acting on it. No one was, you know, hunting her down like George Washington was. Finally, the hunt was over. Um, And ultimately, she had three kids who she lived with with her husband. Uh, And they all lived together until he died in 1803. After his death, Ona and her kids moved to the Jack's house, which is the family that helped kind of save her and hide her. her. Mm -hmm. But there was not much work to do there. So her son left 20 years later to become a sailor like his dad. And her daughters were both forced into indentured servitude and died before Ona. So that is pretty tragic. There were many tragedies in Ona's free life, but she also enjoyed all of her new freedoms. She learned to read and write. She converted to Christianity and she became very involved with her church. And she gave interviews to abolitionist newspapers to tell her story everywhere. And there was even a quote where one of the the news reporters asked her if she missed anything about the luxurious life that she had living with the Washingtons, (laughs) which is like the craziest question you could ask her. Um, And obviously she said no because... Being like her own, I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing, but being her own person and everything led her to Christianity and the church and finding meaning in her life. And obviously, being free is better than being a slave in the White House. I wouldn't say her life was very luxurious um, (laughs) before. So, But yeah, so that's the whole story that I have. I got it mostly from one article, so I'm sure there's a lot more information out there. I just wanted to do like kind of a quick version just because I'd never heard of it before. And I think that's really important that, you know, that kind of stuff gets talked about. I totally agree. But yeah, that was the epic life of Ona Judge. I feel like, thank you for telling me, I feel like a lot of times in history, like stories like that totally get overlooked because they go against like the conventional like ideas of yeah like American greatness or whatever. Like you don't want to paint George Washington as a bad guy, but realistically he had what 150 slaves like he didn't really clearly didn't have much regard for human life no and I feel like at the time and this is like a terrible argument because someone could say like oh well that was like normal back then blah 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 but this story just kind of proves that like even when society said like that's not okay we shouldn't be doing this he was still actively trying Mm -hmm. to get her and like own her and get his property back um which is just so messed up so yeah, I had I honestly don't know anything about George Washington other than like him <laughs> in the Revolutionary War and being the he first existed. president. He existed. Um, but yeah, just a side of history that really doesn't get a lot of attention. Um no. especially in history books, which is weird because, you know, it is weird. It's history. Mhm. Yeah. That would make a really great movie though. It was so funny because in the article on Times, it was like describing like, and if it was a movie, like it would do this. And like they basically <laughs> they were planning out this awesome movie. And I was like, this sounds so good. Um, so we just need some funding. Yeah. Yeah. I want to look up and I should have done this earlier, but I wonder if there are any smaller films or shows or anything kind of about her because prob- right. there's probably documentaries. Um, yeah. Like one or two out there. That's so interesting. It bums me out that we don't hear stories about 
things like that. Yeah. So thank you for sharing it. <laughs> I know it's a little bit of a bummer story because it obviously like started horrible, got okay, and then ended like okay. But her bravery was like unparalleled. She had so many right. people in her support system and, you know, she like took the change that she wanted to have. So, Right. She persevered in a time when everything was against her, basically. Exactly. And like the literally the most influential man in the country was trying to kill her. Oh my God. That is horrifying. I know. It's crazy how much hasn't changed because when I, when I would watch that YouTube video about the brown paper bag test it was just something that kind of like stumped i was looking at that girl's account um because she had some other really interesting like historical videos and i had an idea about doing this story i've had this on my list for like three weeks now to do the ona judge story um but i didn't really put the two together until i was reading about it and they were like oh it's so interesting like so unique that she was allowed in the house and she was like martha's personal made and it started to kind of all make sense the other test that was popular more popular in the time i think of slavery in like the earlier centuries of the u.s rather than like the 1900s um it was called the blue vein society and it was basically these like clubs where and but you couldn't join or like be a member of something unless you could literally see the the veins on your arm like through your skin because mm-hmm. it's like the lighter your skin is the more you can see it right right um, and then that just kind of evolved into the brown paper bag test right. which is nuts That's so brutal dude a lot yeah. to ponder there <laughs> a lot to pron- ponder a lot to process um uh-huh. definitely need more things like this dug up and shared because yeah it's not. i agree um it's definitely a part of our history that like i think a lot of people are ashamed of but a lot of people need to talk about it right and i think it's just important to note that his political views did, didn't match his personal life and a lot of times especially in that time frame of history we hear about like the historical changes of laws and you know court cases and significant things that happened under presidencies Mm -hmm. but you don't know these people's personal lives at all so it's just interesting to take a deeper look into that right well do you do you have a super fun story to go with this not fun at all (laughs) pretty bad pretty bad so switching gears a little bit today i'm going to tell you about mary bell aka the tyneside strangler so it's bad Um, let me tell you, Mary Bell committed two murders in 1968 in Scottswood, a district in the West End of Newcastle upon Tyne, which is a very British sounding place. (laughs) And I don't totally know where it is, but it's in the UK. Um, but the thing that makes her interesting is at the time of these murders, she was freshly 11 years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, like, when I was, like, 10, 11 years old, I was like, ooh, I wonder who Cameron likes, but Mary was like, ooh, a homicide. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I it's think, bad news. I think I, okay, I know the name Mary Bell, and I've heard the story many times, but I cannot remember for the life of me what it is. So, I'm, like, super intrigued now. Well, I am thrilled to tell you because I did this research all by myself today, you guys. So, if you like oh it. Gosh credit to me okay (laughs) 
Um, okay, so we're going to start at the beginning to see where her deviance really stems from. So Mary's mother, a prostitute named Betty Bell, was 16 or 17 years old when she gave birth. So as you can imagine, she wasn't thrilled and apparently said to the doctors, take that thing away from me. So not a very loving mother from the get-go. There's also multiple reports that Betty tried to kill Mary. Apparently, Mary, quote, fell from a window. And another time she accidentally took sleeping pills. But yeah, it was an accident. Yeah. Do you know if she did fall from the window, did she like hit her head or anything? Yes, she did hit her head. So then there's like some question Mm. if there's brain damage that affected actions later in life. I see. But I will, I'll comment on that momentarily. Um, But family members also noted that they saw Betty giving Mary sleeping pills as like candy a couple times. So it doesn't seem like the whole accident of the sleeping pills was truthful. That's insane. Okay, quick anecdote because it has to do with sleeping pills and being a child and no it's super small and irrelevant um (laughs) when i was really little i don't i think i must have been like five or six i was in my parents house obviously because i was there and they were talking about (laughs) this news story about a woman who died and my six-year-old brain was like how did they die and i heard my dad say she swallowed sleeping pillows and I was like, "What sleeping pillows? What do those do?" And he's like, "Well, they make you fall asleep like faster than normal." And I was like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "Well, how many did she swallow?" Because I'm imagining her like swallowing a giant pillow. Pillows. And he was like, "I don't know, like six. And I was like, "Oh, you can <gasps> swallow six pillows in your sleep?" And I was so terrified. Like if I slept with my mouth open when people were drooling, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to open their mouth too wide and they're going to swallow the pillow pillow. and they're going to (laughs) die. So that's kind of (laughs) cute. So thank you. Yeah. My parents didn't give me sleeping pills. I got sleeping pillows. You know, just another story bringing up some childhood fears here. So your episodes are all centered around childhood trauma (laughs) exactly exactly so now you really know the inner workings of our brains exactly um so mary was also subject to mental and physical abuse from her mother and she claims that her mother began prostituting her out as early as four years old so on the note of like the brain damage um some of them some people have tried to explain her actions based on like the brain damage from falling from the window but others kind of explained it as like damage from like like the emotional and physical damage that her mother did to her so it's kind of up for debate about what really caused all of her issues but there were some problems um and it has actually been suggested that betty the mother suffered from um what is it munchausen syndrome by proxy munchausen okay so i googled i the thing is that's how i thought it was pronounced but then i googled it to make sure i was gonna say it right here and on on youtube on like the pronunciation and also on google translate on the pronunciation they say it like munchausen oh well now i so i've been wrong for a whole few years yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh but you know correct me if i'm wrong (laughs) um But yeah, so all of these near-death experiences for Mary would certainly get Betty plenty of attention, so something to consider there. Um, And then to add to her trauma, Mary had witnessed her five-year-old friend run over and killed by a bus. 
So unsurprisingly, by the age of 10, Mary was a little messed up and allthatsinteresting.com wrote that she was a strange child, withdrawn and manipulative, always hovering on the edge of violence. Okay, but still not a murderer. So what pushed her to that point? Um, In the weeks leading up to her 11th birthday, Mary went from hovering to acting. So on May 11th, 1968, Mary was playing with a three-year-old boy when he mysteriously fell from the top of an air raid shelter. And it was deemed to be an accident, but the timing is important to pay attention to. So he didn't die. He just had a very nasty fall while playing with Mary. And then the very next day, three mothers tell the police that Mary attempted to choke their daughters. And no charges were pressed, but Mary was talked to, you know, telling her, like, don't do this. But apparently it didn't really work out because on May 25th, the day before Mary's 11th birthday, she killed a four-year-old boy named Martin Brown by strangling him in an abandoned house. And the police were pretty much stumped because there wasn't really any sign of force or violence besides like a little blood and saliva on his face. But there was an empty bottle of painkillers near the body, totally coincidentally or maybe planted. So the authorities just assumed that was his cause of death. But suspiciously, Mary Bell shows up to Martin's house and asks to see him. So the mom is then tasked with like trying to explain the death to who she like assumes is just like an innocent playmate or something. But Mary then says she knows Martin is dead and asks to see his body in the coffin. Oh my god. Yeah. So first of all, she has some problems. Second of all, that's extremely incriminating. Um yeah. but at this point she's still not a suspect. Oh, Okay, well, yeah, I'm like super confused. It's alarming. And the mom was like obviously very upset and like slammed the door in the girl's face and was like, leave. Um, But yeah, so that's the start of everything bad. So then Mary and her friend Norma Bell, no relation, just same last name, um, then broke into and vandalized a nursery school leaving messages claiming the responsibility for the murder, but the police dismissed it as a prank. Okay. So Wait, so they, like, confessed, like, wrote down Well, it wasn't like Mary Bell murdered the boy, but it was like, yeah. I murdered. Actually, I can tell you, they're actually kind of creepy. I, like, looked Ooh. up what it says, and one of them's like, we did murder Martin Brown. And then some expletives. Um, one of them was like, Oh, I don't seem to have it. But one of them was like, I murder like so that I can come back. And it's like very weird and cryptic. Oh, so something was going on here. Yeah. Mary also told her school friends that she had killed Martin. So this time she's confessing. But she had a reputation as like a liar or a show off. So people didn't believe her. Which mm, I think I would be a little alarmed if someone confessed a murder to me in like sixth grade but especially after like all the other creepy stuff that she did right it's really adding up against her exactly (laughs) so then on july 31st a little over two months later now 11 year old mary bell and her friend norma strangled three-year-old brian howe to death but this time mary went back with a pair of scissors and mutilated the body So she scratched his thighs, cut out chunks of hair, mutilated his genitals, and carved the letter M into his chest. Ooh. Yeah. 
So this is when the police finally realized the common thread between the two. The lack of force used in the strangulation suggested that the murder was carried out by a child. That is terrifying sentence. I've never considered of like, like the being the person to like do the autopsy, whatever, be like, oh, a child mm-hmm. did this. Oh, gross. That's so creepy. Isn't that like horrible? And I keep thinking about it because if it wasn't forceful, they must have like held the pressure for a really long time, I feel yeah. like, which is just like a horrible thought. So, yeah. Police knew that the girls had been with Brian Howe on the day of his death, and in an interview with the police, Norma did not do a good job of disguising her involvement. Apparently, she was acting kind of excited, Um, and Mary's interview was no less suspicious, and she was very evasive when questioned about Brian. In a second interview, Mary decided to, like, she kind of caught on that they were, like, on her tracks, so she decided to make up a story Um, saying that she saw an eight-year-old boy hit Brian on the day that he died. She said that the boy was carrying a pair of broken scissors, which ultimately was her giveaway, because until then, the police had not released the information that Brian was mutilated with scissors. So the only other person who could have known was his killer. I bet, though, she was thinking, like, and it's weird that I'm thinking what she's thinking, but, like, I imagine (laughs) she would be like, oh, to make it this suspect seem more realistic, I'll, like, include this unknown information like you know i don't know right. who was stabbed but he had scissors this boy had scissors so i mean if that matches your that means anything it might not mean anything to you i don't know <laughs> right? but like if it does but apparently that is how the police began to pin it on her because ultimately norma cooperated with the police um but mary admitted to being present but tried to blame Norma for the whole thing. So she was just, I think she had some like lying problems among everything else. Just a um, few problems, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, her trial was understandably pretty brutal. The prosecutor claimed that Bell murdered, quote, solely for the pleasure and excitement of killing. And like the papers, like the news people pinned her as, quote, evil born. So yeah, people didn't really like her understandably (laughs) she wasn't that popular in junior high anymore (laughs) no 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 yeah (laughs) high school would have been brutal for her anyway (laughs) um court psychiatrists convinced the court that mary could not be held completely responsible for her actions basically they they didn't plead insanity but that's basically like what they you know it was something along those lines um so she was charged with manslaughter not murder And just so I was like, um, I wanted to make sure I was like on the same page with whatever's going on with like UK legal terms. It basically just defines manslaughter as like when someone causes death without the intention to kill or cause harm. But I mean, carving your initials into someone's chest seems pretty intentional to me. Yeah. But I guess if like, if you're not in a sound state of mind, like what even is intent, you know? And if you're, if you're so young, you're like, oh, she's 10 though. I was thinking, I feel like really Mm -hmm. young. Sometimes you don't know like what actions cause what like you can't think of like action consequence right but But 10 by age 10 you probably should have an idea um but yeah so norma was acquitted um being painted as an unwilling accomplice who was under mary's bad influence and there's no public record of what happened to norma after this so i assume she was granted anonymity by the government mary however was to be imprisoned quote at her majesty's pleasure which basically is a british sentence that means you're going to prison until we decide to let you out so an indefinite sentence basically 
That's super weird. We don't uh-huh. have anything like that in the U.S., do we? I don't think we do. This was, though, in, what did I say, 1968. So it's uh-huh. been a while, but I don't know if they're still doing that. That would be interesting. To I feel like it's especially into. weird since it's uh, the phrasing is like, at her majesty's pleasure. So it's like mm-hmm. her pleasure to keep you in jail. I don't know. <laughs> that yeah, just, it sounds a extra weird. weird. Kind of weird, but you know, that's how they'd be over there. <laughs> Um, so Mary was sent to a juvenile facility and when appropriate, she was then transferred to an adult institution where in 1977, she briefly escaped. Yes. Although there didn't seem to be many consequences for that little stint because in 1980, so just three years later, at the age of 23, Bell was released after serving 12 years. So she was granted anonymity by the government, which means she got a new name and started a new life. And to this day, this kind of like anonymity is still unofficially referred to as Mary Bell orders. Um, but we do have a little idea of what Mary has been up to because reporters are sneaky. Um, so she had a daughter four years after she was released from prison. And apparently the daughter did not know anything about her mom's criminal past until she was 14 and a tabloid tracked them down. So that would be, you know bad but bell subsequently had her and her daughter's anonymity extended for life and today they are in protective custody at a secret location and this is kind of like a hot subject because like the parents of the victims are like super mad that she has this protection like to this day but there's no privacy for the victims or their families so it's kind of just disappointing i guess um so are the parents of the victims still alive that's a great question. They might not be alive today because I think Mary Bell has like a granddaughter now, mm-hmm. um, but maybe their descendants are talking about how they're upset about it. That makes not sense. positive. Um, but yeah, so now you know the story of Mary Bell, who at one time was the youngest serial killer recorded, but now I think an eight-year-old holds that position. So Is that not like- anymore. The Guinness Book of World Records comes to your house and it's like, okay, yeah, show me your like, birth oh, certificate before we witness prove this it. murder. <laughs> yeah, oh bad, gosh. bad news. But I just think it's so, like, curious that at 10 years old, you could, like, accomplish, like, murdering two people. I think that child, okay, this child killers, as in, like, killers who are children, mm-hmm. also killers who kill children, but both ways <laughs> is so terrifying, but... I know. Oh, gosh, there's so many good stories. Like, that was probably the best one. The Mary Bell one is, like, the most famous and the craziest because she's such a psycho. But there are just mm-hmm. so many of um, kids killing other kids. And especially in, like, little groups like that. I'm surprised. Right. I want to know more about, like, Norma's upbringing because I can't imagine it was, like, perfect. Right. If she How had do you that go along capability. with that? I know. I know. It reminds me of, there's so many cases like this, but one of the more recent kind of famous ones is that like Slender Man killing. You oh my that gosh. One? Those two girls that like stabbed their friend. Yeah. It is kind yeah. of the same situation. I mean, they, they didn't kill like a small, like baby boy. They killed like an equal aged mm-hmm. girl, but still like it's insane how people can do Horrifying. that and like get each other riled up enough to do that. I don't know. I just like my like middle school experience was very different. All I cared about was like what I was wearing to school and like what Paul was doing on Saturday, you know? 
Oh my gosh, Paul and Cameron, you had interesting. Oh, come on, I know. I'm kind of exposing names. myself here. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in middle school, I would never imagine myself doing that. But I could imagine myself like, like trying to be a detective to like solve oh, something yeah. like that. Because my friend, oh, yeah, my friend and I, we watched Pretty Little Liars every Tuesday, like when oh it was still God. airing, and we called it PLL Tuesdays, um, and. I remember being like, this is what high school is going to be like because we were little and like <laughs> she was like, seeing her teacher and there was all these murders oh and like gosh, yeah. all this crazy stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like if, if this happened to me, what would I do? I'm like, that doesn't oh happen gosh. to normal people. Yeah, that's television. High school on television is simply not what high school no. is like. Any school. No. I looked up pictures of Mary Bell when you were kind of finishing up your story. Oh, yeah. And it's just something about her is so creepy because the pictures are obviously like from the 60s. They're black and white. They're really grainy. But she uh-huh. has like a perfect baby doll face. Like yeah. But her, like she, her eyes are kind of scary. No, they're like pitch black. Eyes. She has black short little hair, pitch mm-hmm. black eyes, the perfect little rose mouth, like mm-hmm. rosebud mouth. No, she perfect really little does. Nose. She has like a porcelain doll face that she just actually stares like she could be a doll and it's but staring like directly doll. at the camera lens like you can see it, her looking at you and then i think there are pictures of her in the 70s or 80s like leaving jail and they try to get some mm-hmm. pictures and she still looked exactly the same like mm-hmm. as a child so oh, it's gosh. actually like kind of frightening and i tried to, yeah i tried to do some digging like what she's up to now but like you don't find anything there was one incident where like they tracked her down via her husband but they're not legally married what is that called like a commonwealth marriage where you like declare that you're married but you're not married um and i guess she her daughter and the husband like left the house like under bed sheets so no one could see them and i tried looking up if there were pictures of them under their bed sheets but even those aren't anywhere to be found (laughs) that would be creepy so after she was released the daughter like lived with her full time like like as a real family so they just Mm -hmm. let her have this okay and then yeah, I don't like, know if you... there were no consequences apparently. And then do you know like as they grew up, you said that they're both like anonymous still. So do you mm-hmm. know if like they have like a relationship, like if it's like a normal mom I and think daughter? They thing? do. And I think That's the daughter nice. now has a daughter. So it's like Yeah. They're just living their life. So That's so crazy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like what would you do if you just like found out that your mom was like a child killer? I- like that's horrifying because i the thing i don't understand is how they could let her have a child if she had already killed two children yeah i was her baby daddy or husband i wouldn't trust her with my three-year-old you know no well you probably shouldn't be dating her in the first place but that's that's true that's another issue (laughs) that is super true (laughs) oh Oh, man so yeah that one kind of blew my mind that is such a good story it's crazy because i feel like kind of in that same time like the early 1900s to like mid 1900s <laughs> there are so many mary stories like i know what is with insane, it and i always get that one confused with two other stories and i don't know either of their names i know they're both <laughs> marys and i now i'm like going crazy because i can't remember any of the details i'll have to just look up murder mary or something yeah murder mary you're gonna get like a thousand yeah that's nuts <laughs> Mary was like a very hot name. My great grandma was named Mary. My mom was named Mary. She was normal. Oh, yeah. Mary. 
Um, also, I love the name Betty Bell. That's super Betty cute. Bell. That's a good one. That's some good alliteration, but she yeah. was <laughs> messed up herself. So, yeah. and I'm not sure what came of her afterwards either. Mm-hmm. All right. So <laughs> those are our stories for this week. Um, we'll have many more to come to you. <laughs> later yes, on yes we will um and along with all of our stories we do post on our instagram a couple photos to go along with it so i know sometimes we talk about like obviously the picture of mary bell and and mm-hmm. um like the quotes and everything so we will be posting those on our instagram at deviant little darlings uh we'll also just post any other kind of uh fun information that we find or anything important going on we'll let you know there and then yeah. you can also always DM us if you have any suggestions, questions, corrections, and you can email us at deviantlittledarlings at gmail.com. I haven't checked the Gmail in like three weeks, but please it's email okay. us. We have zero emails. <laughs> okay, good. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, it's great. And if you want to switch up your listening platform, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. And please remember, if you feel so inclined, to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because we would love you for it. (laughs) Yes. And if you're subscribing, um, don't forget to maybe download so you can, you know, listen to it Mm -hmm. on the go. A lot of people listen when they're like walking or biking or out and about public transportation yeah save yourself some data get it downloaded yeah exactly all right with all of that being said we will catch you guys next week we will have a good oh it's friday have a good weekend everybody (laughs) (laughs) woohoo bye